joining with us, learning with us, worshiping with us today. My name is Angela. I serve on the teaching team here, and I just want to start by letting you know that my kids are okay. They really are. And the reason I want to start with that is because I think you might be worried about them after I tell you this next story. But again, I can assure you they're actually adults They've made it to adulthood with all of their fingers and all of their toes, and they're doing well. So, um, but what happened was that a few years ago, they were at this age of exploration. They were trying new things. They were trying to see how things worked. And some of you might understand this stage of development, but for those of you who don't, let me set the stage. It was an ordinary night. My husband and I had turned in for the night. Our kids are quietly tucked into their rooms. A few hours later, my husband wakes me up. Hey, I found a note. Okay, so rubbing a little bit of the sleep out of my eyes. He continues. It says, sorry about the mess. I'll clean it up in the morning. Hmm, what mess are we talking about? Rubbing a little more sleep from my eyes. And then he says, there's a blood trail. <laughs> oh, I'm awake now. No more needs to be said. We need to figure this out. Let's go check this out. So sure enough, we follow the trail to our son's bedroom where we find him fast asleep. His thumb is rolled in a, in a wad of toilet paper. So my husband proceeds to wake him up, unwraps the paper, and spies the wound underneath and says, we are going to the emergency room right now. He's okay. He has his thumb. He got a few stitches, but he's doing okay. And believe it or not, that is exactly where we find ourselves in Mark chapter 2. <laughs> Who needs a doctor, right? Are things really that bad? Getting the story out of my son later, what happened was that he says he was just trying to find out what was in the middle of a golf ball. And when the knife slipped, he didn't think it was that bad, figured he could just clean everything up all by himself. Yeah, Mark chapter 2. Here we go. So those of you who are new, maybe the first time to ACF Church, I just want to say welcome. We are walking through the book of Mark this summer, where we are taking a look at what it means to be a counterculture, 
what it means to go against the waves, to go against the flow, see how Jesus lived, how he interacted with people, listen to the words that he said so that we can, move, we can you know, move with him and live this different kingdom movement way of life. And so Mark chapter 2 is our text. Last week, Pastor Brian challenged us that it's our character that changes culture. And so what we're going to do is as we move into Mark chapter 2, let's look at how Jesus lived, the things that he said, and the people that he interacted with. And our text is going to be verses 13 through 17, but I really want to encourage you to take time this week, dig into what is happening before this text. Take a look at what happens after this text, and, and before we read I want you to know and understand that what Jesus has just done is he has shown his power and his authority that he has to heal physical needs. But he even goes beyond that and shows his power and authority that he has to meet the deeper spiritual needs. The fact that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And so with that in mind, let's look at verses 13 through 17. He, Jesus, went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he, Jesus, reclined at table in his, Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so what we see is that here is Jesus in the town of Capernaum. Capernaum sits at the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And this was a region that was, the city had lots of trade, had lots of business that was passing in and out of the region. Because of where it sat on the Sea of Galilee, it was a big fishing community. And what it says is that as Jesus goes out, a lot of people come to him, and he teaches them. So think about, here is this man who we've already learned from chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2. Here is a man who has cast out an unclean spirit. He has healed a mother-in-law of a deadly fever. He has touched and cleansed a leper. And now more recently, he has helped a paralyzed man walk. And so think about this. If this guy is going to be out somewhere, we want to go and see what he's going to do next. These are some amazing and incredible things that are happening. Let's go check it out. Let's go see what's going on. And it says in the text that as, as the crowds are coming to Jesus, Jesus teaches them. And then when Jesus passes by, he sees a man named Levi. Now, Levi and Matthew, it's the same person um, Levi would have been his, like, his descendant, uh, like, like he was descended from the tribe of Levi. If you think back to the Old Testament, 
the Levites were those that were called to be set apart, to be in service in the temple, to serve God, to be this royal priesthood and to be set apart. But what we see is that Matthew has chosen a job of a tax collector, maybe more akin occupation today, a customs official. And again, because this region, there were lots of goods and services, lots of fish that were being moved in and out of the city of Capernaum, it was Matthew's job, Levi's job, to collect taxes because this area was owned and under the authority of the Romans. And so the Romans would hire these Jews to collect taxes on the goods and services that were being transported through the region. So the Romans didn't care about Matthew. As long as they got their cut, they didn't care what Matthew charged. They didn't care what he did as long as Rome got payment. Well, the Jews definitely didn't care about Matthew because here is a fellow countryman who is now a traitor. And a lot of times what was happening is that these tax collectors, these customs officials, they'd charge whatever they wanted, give Rome their cut, and then keep the rest. And so they're getting rich on their brothers. And so here's Matthew. Rome doesn't care about him. The Jews definitely don't care about him. They see him as a sellout. And yet what we read is that as Jesus passes by, he sees Matthew. And that word that is used means to recognize. Jesus understands Matthew's need. He has compassion on him. And what does Matthew do? says he gets up and he follows. Wow. In Luke chapter 5, the same account of this incident adds a little phrase that says, Matthew gets up, leaves everything, and follows Jesus. What a counterculture move that had to be. What would it take me? What would it take you to just leave everything and follow Jesus? Listen again to the words of verses 13 and 14. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Do you see the difference between the crowds and the disciples? The crowds come to Jesus. Okay, this cool guy that's been doing some amazing things, he's going to be out beside a lake. All right, let's go. Let's just see what things are about. There's no commitment. There's no obligation to join in what he's doing. Let's just kind of go check things out, right? Not a big deal. There's a difference, however, when you follow someone. Because when you follow someone, you can't stay where you are. You can't go your own way. Yes, you take time to listen and hear what are they doing, what are they about, and then you receive this heart from them to join and move with them. So the crowds come to Jesus, but the disciples are called to follow. We as believers are called to follow. I think about, again, what does the world say? Oh. You go to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, oh, then you're a Christian. That's all it takes, right? Just go to church, you're a Christian. 
But a kingdom movement says, I'm a Christian because I see what Jesus is doing and I receive a heart from him and I join him regardless of what day of the week it is. Regardless of how convenient or inconvenient it is. That's why, that's why I'm a Christian. And here's Matthew. Matthew is called to follow. And the Pharisees don't like it one bit. The Pharisees are the ones who are set apart. The Pharisees are the ones who pride themselves in being separate, in following the rules, in doing the right thing. And so for Matthew, somebody that nobody sees, nobody wants to associate with, you're calling him? The Pharisees are the legalists of the day. The Pharisees are the ones who, they know the scriptures, but they're using them to twist and manipulate and intimidate. Chuck Swindoll has a quote, and it reads this. Legalists are individuals who examine the external behavior of others as a means of gauging their spiritual health when they should give more attention to their own internal thoughts and attitudes in the interest of their own spiritual maturity. Last week we learned that there are some that would rather rage against people than actually change themselves. And so with that in mind, let's listen to the last part of the story again. Verse 15. And as he reclined at table in his house, Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners. And I love that the very first thing that Matthew does is he throws a party. <laughs> and we know that it is a party because when it says that he's reclining at table, that means that this was not something that just lasted for a night. This was something that went on for days. This was a big deal. Here's Jesus. Listen to who he is and what he has done for me. And my first thought was all the people we just prayed for. Getting to go to Mexico, what an honor and an opportunity you have to be sent out to go and share what Jesus has done for you and to just love on other people. What an amazing gift. But if you look closely at the text, who does Matthew invite? He invites the people that he lives life with every single day, other sinners, other tax collectors. And I was reminded that this text can be an encouragement for all of us. We've all been given the opportunity to preach Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change and heal and redeem and convict, but it's our job to preach Jesus with the people that we live life with. Just like Pastor Josh shared with us a couple weeks ago, as we go, that's the kingdom movement. As we go in our home, in our family, in our jobs, with the friends that he's given us, as we go, we make things right. We bring peace and life and abundance. What a gift 
that we have. But I get it. It's not always easy because look who's hanging around. Those Pharisees. Oh, you don't say things the right way. You're too old. You're too young. You didn't go to school. You don't really know what to say. One of the biggest complaints that the Pharisees had against Jesus was that he wasn't following the law. You're not doing things the right way, Jesus. And time and time again, what Jesus is trying to tell them is, I am the fulfillment of the law. All the promises are yes in Christ. All the promises of God. And because of who he is and because of what he has done, he has inherited all the blessings of God and then he gets to distribute them to each and every one of us. What an amazing gift we have. God wants to be in relationship with all of us. Every single one of us. God never excludes any of us for being in relationship with him. But what happens is that people exclude themselves. Listen to verse 17 again. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think what Jesus is trying to tell them is, listen, it's the sick people who need a doctor. You're right. But if you Pharisees, if you think you're too far above, if you think you're too good and you don't need my help, then how are the sick people going to get well? Because what the Pharisees were doing is not only were they showing their unwillingness to bend down and help someone else, but they were also showing that they were too self-centered to see that they themselves needed help. I think for a lot of us, it can be our um, goodness that keeps us from Jesus, not our badness. It's not our badness that keeps us from him. It's being like my son. Ha <laughs> ha, it's not that bad. I don't need a doctor. Everything's fine. My life's not great, but my life's not horrible. Just kind of going with the flow. Things are good. Life is easy. I don't really need a doctor. But as we see, there's a difference between coming to a doctor and then actually following the orders that the doctor gives. Coming to Jesus seeing what he's about, but then actually following and walking with him. You know, you go to a doctor and you can hear what he tells you to do to get better. You can even get the prescription for the medicine that he wants you to take. But unless you heed his advice, unless you follow his orders, unless you take the medicine, have you really been helped? Are you really getting the help that you need? Because again, as a follower, we are called to make a difference right where we are. But I think as Christians, as believers in Jesus, we can fall into one of two extremes. And so I think there is assimilation or isolation. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we can assimilate. We can just blend in and just kind of go with the flow Or we can isolate and think, well, I've already walked down that road. I'm too good to walk down it again. And so I've created some characters for you, just as a little tool. So I have my friend Assimilation Al and Isolation Ike. 
And we're going to see how alike we are. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Uh, I know, I have a plant so that every, you know, I get some laugh every time. Just kidding. All right, so here's Assimilation Al. So Assimilation Al, you know, maybe he's tried to have a conversation, spiritual conversation, but maybe he got shut down by a Pharisee, by a legalist. You know, you don't, you don't know enough. He would rather update his Finstagram than his Bible app, right? For those of you who don't know, thank you, youth pastors, for teaching me a Finstagram is a fun Instagram. Yeah, so you have two. So if you're a parent, check your kids, see if they have a Finstagram, not to call you out or anything, but there you go. So that's assimilation out. Or maybe we fall in the other extreme of isolation Ike. Again, we've already conquered that stumbling block. You know, we're only gonna hang out with Christian people. We're only gonna listen to Christian music. Trust me, this one's hard for my heart. I love my Bible verse t-shirts. I love them. They're good conversation starters, right? So, you know, here's this uh, isolation Ike. And when I showed this slide to uh, the first service, they were like, I thought you said there was going to be characters. Like, where's the drawings? I got it for you. Ready? So assimilation Al, his drawing, it blends in. You can't see it. Isolation Ike, his drawing is above the screen. All right, thank you again for laughing. No, really, I get, I get it. This is, this is silly. It's extremes, but it's a tool. And what I pray is that God shows you a correct view of his kingdom, of as believers, how are we called to live? And so listen to the words of John chapter 17. This is a prayer that Jesus is praying on behalf of believers. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. The truth of the matter is that we are called to be different. We are called to be set apart. But not so much in a way that leads to us going off and just doing our own thing. But instead, seeing this gift that we've been given, this abundant life that we have. And I love the way John Piper says it. Jesus' true followers have not only been crucified to the world, but also raised to new life and sent back in to free others. We've been rescued from the darkness and given the light not merely to flee the darkness, but to guide our steps as we go back in to rescue others. So let's revise the popular phrase, in but not of. Christians are not of this world, but sent into it. Not of, but sent into. Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus identified with sinners. He didn't eat and identify with them so that he could just blend in and assimilate and go with the flow. 
But Jesus also didn't eat with sinners so that he could isolate and talk down to them and shame them. Jesus ate with sinners for the purpose of redemption. You and I are called to do the same. But I understand, having spent time in recovery programs, I know that we need to be wise and discerning in where God is calling us to go. If you are a recovering alcoholic, it might not be wise for you to witness in a bar. If you struggle with gossip, it might not be wise for you to join every small group so that you can dominate conversations and get the inside scoop as to what's going on. If you struggle with pride, it may not be wise for you to seek out opportunities of leadership so that you can be in charge and tell people what to do and how to do it. But instead, slow down. Take the time to see where God has you. Listen to where his spirit is leading you so that you can move forward with him. Because the truth is, we all need a doctor every single one of us we cannot save ourselves it's only this free gift of grace that we have been given and as believers you might think well i've i've been saved jesus has saved me from my sins why do i still why do i still need a doctor listen to romans 7:18 for i know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So the truth is you're not sick, but there's sickness inside of you. While we are here in the flesh, on this earth, there is sickness inside of us and we can infect others. We're asymptomatic. Right? We've tested positive, but we may not be showing any outward signs. We're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. But the truth is that even our desire to do the right thing, our desire to say the right thing and go where he is calling us, we don't have the ability in and of ourselves. We need the one true doctor, God the Father, through Jesus the Son and the power of his Holy Spirit. All of us need a doctor. You want to follow Jesus? You want to go and be sent out? You want a better way of life, a kingdom way of life? Then follow him. And if you've been coming to ACF Church for any length of time, you know that we don't just like to leave you here in this seat. We call you to go out, to follow Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is through action steps. And so each of you have a note card, and at the bottom there's some perforated uh, lines for you. You can rip that off, fill that out, place that in one of the black boxes as you leave here today. And we just, again, want to help you follow Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you've never begun a relationship with him. And for today, as you sit and as you listen and as you hear what Jesus is doing, your first step is receiving that heart from him and beginning that relationship. You don't have to have it all figured out. Nobody does, but he does. Maybe for you, it's inviting somebody to come with you next week. Come, sit with me. Listen, listen to his word. Listen to the truth and the life that he gives. 
Maybe some of you are like, I have never had a, com- a spiritual conversation in my life. That is scary. So maybe for you, it's taking the time this week to just pray and ask God, what does that look like? Maybe it's thanking him out loud for something. The Holy Spirit will leave, lead you. He will not leave you alone. He's with you, and he wants to be part of every conversation that you have. And as we walk through this book of Mark, these 16 chapters, and we see how Jesus lives, maybe for you it's committing to join us in reading Mark's gospel. 16 chapters. We have reading plans online for you to join us. And we just want to invite you to be a part and to be sent out. And so if you would, please bow your heads as I close in prayer. God, thank you so much for who you are. The fact that you go before, that you see and recognize each and every one of us here. You understand our need. You formed us. You know us and you love us and you don't leave us alone. God, thank you for the gift of your spirit. Through his power, we have we are able to follow, that we are able to go where you send us, God. And so I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this day. And it's in your son's holy and precious name that I pray. Amen.